Thanks for listening to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. To find out more about Hope Church, be sure to check out our website at cthope.com. Good morning, Hope Church. So who today is excited to talk about temptation? <laughs> that plays right into my analogy. This is great. Um, I know I was not exactly thrilled to talk about temptation initially. Um, you know, Tom and I, we sit and we talk about who's going to take which message. And for this one, we rock, paper, scissored for it. And he cheated. So here I am. Anyway. The truth is that not many of us, barring some children, not many of us really want to talk about our temptation. It's something that we're usually uncomfortable with. And I think even in the church, it's something that we sometimes lean on one end or the other end. We can sort of err on the side of, well, God's got grace for you and, and it's all good and nothing, nothing that you do really matters. You know, he's going to cover it. And yes, God's going to cover it. But we can, we can kind of lean so much on that that we minimize sin. Or we can be on the other side where, where we focus so much on human effort and striving and trying to accomplish God's righteousness on our own and we can become legalistic. And so I think there's, it's hard for us to find this, this way to talk about temptation and sin in a way that is balanced. And so for many of us, I think that um, temptation is not something that we're going to shout about. We're not going to just tell the world about our weakness. We might, we might point out other people's weakness, you know, oh, look at their problem or what they're struggling with, but we don't want to talk about ours. With the exception of one group of, of kids I heard once. Um, I don't know if you know this, but when I was, I moved here when I was 16, and that's when I started coming to Hope Church, and we used to meet at a building on Midwood Farm Road. Who was here when we were at Midwood Farm? Maybe a few people here. So when I came, they were doing this vacation Bible school, this children's camp for, for kids, and they recruited me to help with the preschoolers, and these kids were cute, you know? We're doing the cute crafts and the cute games, and then they had their Bible verse, and for whatever reason, the kids had to learn this Bible verse, 1 Timothy 1.15, that says, Christ Jesus came to save sinners of whom I am the worst. It's a, it's, a, it's a fine verse. You know, this verse is, is Paul is talking about how even though he's, he's done all these horrible things, God could even give grace to him. So of course he could give grace to others. But I'm thinking preschoolers don't really get the context here. Um, and to make matters worse, they could never remember the whole thing. They could only remember the last half. So on Parents' Day, when all the parents came to watch their kids recite their verse, what do my kids do? They get up there and they like, they're like, Jesus, sinners, of whom I am the worst. And I was like, what do these parents think we're teaching their kids? Like, this just feels awful. But again, those are, that's the only time I ever heard anybody shout out like, yeah, I'm a sinner. I'm a horrible person. Um, so I think, I think what ends up happening though, as we get older, we sort of, um, maybe there's certain, there's certain weaknesses we show people. Even on Facebook, I heard someone say, we kind of curate what we want people to see, right? Like, oh, I'll show them the, the weaknesses that are kind of acceptable. But there's some things we kind of hold close to ourselves. We don't want people to know about that. We feel shame. We feel overwhelmed. And I think temptation can be a kind of different kind of wilderness for us because with a lot of the wildernesses that we face, 
um, we, we end up in a wilderness and we don't know how we got there. We're like, this is un, uncharted territory for us. Um, it's new and unexpected. But with a wilderness of temptation, it's, it's sort of a familiar wilderness, isn't it? We, we can have these temptations, these struggles that, that we find ourselves in again and again, looping back into. And we can think to ourselves, man, I thought I was out. Man, I thought I was free of this, and here I am again. And it's like we, we know, we kind of know the terrain, but we just don't always know what to do about it. And I, I really believe, you know, we've been talking each week about a different mirage or lie that we experience in the desert. And kind of like the first week, we talked about how we fear that a wilderness isn't normal, that as good Christians, we think we're not supposed to have a wilderness. And yet God shows up again and again in our wilderness seasons. And the same is true this week. I'm going to be talking about how the mirage that we experience is that we believe temptation is always an obstacle to our spiritual growth. We can come to believe that temptation is always an obstacle to our spiritual growth. We shouldn't have temptation. If I were mature, if I were, if I were a good Christian, I just wouldn't struggle with temptation at all. And yes, Yes, we want to flee from sin. Yes, we want to run towards God. But that doesn't mean that the God that we follow cannot use even temptation to strengthen us and build us towards what he wants in our lives. So we're going to be looking today at Matthew 4, 1 through 11, the story of Jesus who was was tempted when he was here on earth. And even the very fact that Jesus was tempted, I think is a reminder to us that this is something that that does happen, even, even to people who are mature and love God So I want us to look at what Jesus goes through and how it can inform us and our journey with with God as well and with temptation. So if you want to read along with me, Matthew 4 begins, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. Another one of the gospels says um, that the enemy left him until an opportune time, um, which again kind of foreshadows that there's going to be a future, future temptation, future testing. Um, so if we, if we look at the story of Jesus, I think it's important for us to look, first of all, at the context of where this story happens in relation to Jesus' life and the other events that are happening for him. Uh, so what's interesting is that right before this temptation, um, Jesus 
was actually baptized by John the Baptist. And you may remember John the Baptist was, was sent to prepare the way for Jesus and to, to um, begin to preach about him. And then John was baptizing people. And so Jesus came to John and said, I, I want you to baptize me. And John was like, I don't know. I think, I think, you know, you're God. I should probably be baptized by you. But Jesus says, no, this is what's supposed to happen. So John baptizes Jesus and when he does, Matthew 3, 16 through 17 says that as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. And what's crazy to me is that, you know, a lot of times we picture temptation and, and um, struggles or wrestling as things that happen to us when we're in really low moments in our lives. But for Jesus, his temptation, his wilderness season actually came right after a powerful moment of affirmation that Jesus gives over his life. Um, and I think so often for us, this can happen too. We can kind of have this, this moment of, you know, we're starting a new ministry, we're starting a new job or a new dream or a new, um, you know, we're trying to act in obedience to God. And then all of a sudden those voices of doubt come in. How often have you heard that, you know, well, who do you think you are? What, what, what do you think you're doing? You really, you really think you're supposed to be doing this? Oh, what, what makes you think you're good enough? You know, and, and I see this is very much what the enemy does to Jesus. If we look at the first two temptations that Jesus experiences, what, is, what does the enemy start out with? He says, if you are the son of God, if you're the son of God, prove it, prove it. And basically, Jesus has just experienced the, the incredible truth and affirmation of his identity from his father. And that is the very thing that the enemy is attacking and I will just say right now to you that if you ever feel in your heart like there's a message, someone's telling you to prove it, oh, prove, prove that you're God's, prove that you're a follower of him, prove that you're good enough. That is not, that does not come from God. That voice does not come from God because Jesus is the one that calls us his own, that God is the one that calls us his children. He proves our identity with his spirit and he creates his righteousness through us. God proves who we are and he is the one that proves our righteousness. He will never ask us to prove that to him. He knows who we are. He knows we are his. And the enemy knows that too. And he wants to distract us. He wants to call us away from our purpose. God is not going to ask us to prove that God loves us. He's not, he's not going to ask us to prove that. So this instead, I think, is a powerful moment. Not where, not where God's testing Jesus to, to tell him, oh, prove, prove that you can follow me. But this is actually an opportunity for Jesus to be strengthened in his purpose in the wilderness. And the truth is that God can use temptation as an opportunity to strengthen us for future seasons and purposes. God can use temptation and even suffering to strengthen us for future seasons and purposes. I think it's fascinating to look that at Jesus, you know, it's, it's, it's this mystery that he's fully God and he's fully man, um, but that as, as a human, he still went through this testing and it was part of this, this perfection 
that God is creating in him. Hebrews 5.8 says, Son though he was, talking about Jesus, he learned obedience from what he suffered. He learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. I think it's incredible to think that even Jesus went through this strengthening and this um, um, solidifying of his purpose through this wilderness season that he went through. Um, and it really, it really gives me this mentality, actually, of, of a workout, of, of going to the gym to be strengthened. And 1 Corinthians 10, 13 talks about temptation this way. It says, um, it says, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. God is faithful. I think that's the key here. Um, it's not that we have to be strong enough. We, we learn that God is faithful in those moments of temptation. Um, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out that you can, so that you can endure it. And the, the version I grew up with said, um, he'll provide a way out so you can stand up under it. And I just picture like someone, you know, like people you see on, uh, not me, um, I do not go to the gym, but um, the, the people who have these, these massive barbells and they're, they're lifting this incredible amount of weight. And I think it, it, takes, it takes practice. It takes um, strength training. You don't just go into the gym and start with this massive weight. You have to build up to that. Um, and I think in the same way, God's like, God's like, listen to me. Trust me in the little moments. Trust me and turn to me in those little, those little testings. And I'm going to develop a perseverance and endurance. And I'm going to enable you to stand up under that temptation. Um, and the truth is, though, we don't, we don't really want the gym. I think temptation is a lot like the gym. We, we, want, um, we want to live uh, the full life God has for us without the obstacle. We want to, to have the, uh, you know, the fit body without the workouts. This is why, like, diet pills are so, you know, popular, right? Everyone's like, how can I just press a button, make this quick fix? And God's like, no, I'm going to, sometimes it's, it's through those trials. It's through um, even those, those testing times in your life that I'm going to develop the, the perseverance to keep going. Um, and I really believe that, that part of the testing that God does for us is that he is often preparing us for those future seasons, for seasons that we may not even know about yet. And that is certainly true in Jesus's life. Um, if we look at the end of Jesus's life, we talked about what happened before his temptation, but immediately after his temptation, that's when he begins his public ministry, which is another, another good reminder for me. I think a lot of times, you know, I want to jump into, uh, especially right now, like I want to, I want to do something public. I want to be able to give to something where that matters, but the, the world can see, that world can make I can make a difference in the world. But often God says, I'm not going to put you into a public place. I'm not going to send you into this, um, this ministry for others to see until you have sat with me, until you've wrestled in, in, the, um, in anonymity where people aren't watching. And God strengthens us sometimes in those, in those quiet places where no one's looking at us. And that is, I believe, what happens here for Jesus as well. Um, but if we look at Jesus's temptations, I think they also give us a picture of what Jesus was called to do in the future. Um, so for one of, the, one of the temptations that Jesus experiences is that um, Satan says, okay, I'm, I'm going to show you this whole, on this mountain, I'm, I'm going to let you look out over all these kingdoms of the earth, and I can give you authority over all these kingdoms if you just, you know, just worship me, just bow down. And the truth is that ultimately God is going to give Jesus authority over heaven and earth. And right now we do live in this world that, um, where, where we know the enemy has a foothold, has reign, right? Um, but Jesus could have said, hey, the quick, the quick route to get authority would be just to, just to say yes to the enemy now. But he stands firm. He holds on 
to what he knows to be true. And I think what's interesting is that um, when Jesus came to earth, so many people didn't want him to be a spiritual king. They, they were expecting a physical ruler. You know, they were living under Roman oppression at the time, and they wanted someone who would come and, and rescue them and save them. Um, and so you see more than once, uh, um, John 6, 15 reminds us that at one point, the people actually tried to make Jesus king by force. Um, they were so set on him being an earthly king. And you might think that later on, if Jesus hadn't gone through this temptation, through this wilderness, maybe, maybe this would have been harder for him. But he was so firm in his identity and in his purpose, he's, he slipped away. He slipped away quietly and he would not let them make him king because he knew the kind of king that God sent him to be. He was firm in that. Um, I think the other uh, really powerful temptation that we see Jesus experience um, is Satan says, throw yourself off this building. You know, if, again, a a whole prove it thing. If God really loved you, he wouldn't want you to get hurt. If, If you're really God's son, he'd send his angels to save you, right? And I kind of hear that same thing echoed for Jesus at the end of his life when he's going up against the cross. Because if he believed that God couldn't possibly love him and, and, and allow him to suffer, then he would think, I'm not supposed to go to the cross. I'm not supposed to, I'm not supposed to give my life up for this. But he knew that God's love and, and that pain of the cross were not mutually exclusive. And he knew that the, the trial was producing something powerful. And so I, what I think is, is amazing is that, again, the, the, the enemy tempts him with, with calling angels. He's like, you know, just, just call the angels and they'll come get you. They'll save you. And we see in the Garden of Gethsemane, which is right where Jesus was before he died, um, the, the guards came, the soldiers came to capture him. And in fact, one of his disciples took a sword out and, and cut off the high priest's ear. And Jesus said, put away your sword. And he says this, which, which is so similar to that temptation he faced. He says, don't you know that I could call right now, and I'd have legions of angels at my disposal. But this had to happen to fulfill God's plan. And you can see it. He says, he says, no, God, it's not that I doubt that God loves me. It's not that I doubt that God could send angels, but that's not how it has to happen. And he was strengthened through what he suffered. He was strengthened for that purpose and that plan that God had for him. The Bible says that he endured the cross for the joy set before him. He knew the beautiful vision that God had and that it was worth it to go through that pain. And I want us to to think about this. Um, Often our greatest struggles might actually be related to our greatest gifts. Often our greatest struggles may be in opposition to our greatest gifts. Um, that is the things in your life that you find yourself getting distracted by or, or caught up in. Um, they might actually be things that are distracting you from this, this amazing purpose that God wants to lead you towards. Um, I know for me, again, we, we talk about temptation so often and we talk about, you know, the, the, you know the, these big sins as we, we might call them or think of them. But I honestly believe that sometimes that focus on certain sins distracts us from the really, the subtle lies that we can start to believe. And I know for me, one of my temptations is, um, man, I love people and that's a beautiful thing, but I can start to idolize people and look to everyone around me for affirmation and approval. And then God puts me in a position and says, okay, you're supposed to lead, but how can I lead people or, or lead people to God, especially if I'm always looking over my shoulder and trying to get affirmation from people? And God's like, no, you, you can't, you can't 
try to get your affirmation and validation from others. You have to keep your eyes focused on me. And so this is an ongoing struggle in my life, but I know that it's worth, it's worth giving that to God over and over again because the purpose that he has for me is related to that opposition. Maybe you can think of that in your own life. Maybe there's, there's moments in your own life that, you can, that, that, that resonates with you where you're like, yeah, you know, um, I, I get so distracted sometimes. I'm, I'm on my phone. I'm, I'm turning to things that are really minor and they don't feel like a big deal, but maybe it's actually keeping me. It's keeping me from this purpose that God fully has for me. So I guess the question to leave us with is if, if the temptations are part, of, are part of life, if they're not something um, that we can avoid, you know, we, we can't always ask God to just take them away from us. Sometimes he's going to ask us to walk through them. So what does it look like to allow ourselves to be strengthened in these wilderness seasons? And my best advice to you is I think we're supposed to be a cactus. I really do. It's my pep talk. Be a cactus. Be, be a cactus. I'll stop. I'm glad my kids aren't here. They would have run out with their eyes closed. Um, no, I, I think God gave me this picture this morning, actually, of this idea that, um, first of all, the cactus is, is very aware that it's in a desert, right? It is, it's not trying to hide or pretend. In fact, I feel like um, I had someone, one of my kids make this for me. Um, if the cactus pretends it's a tropical plant and it's like, no, I'm just gonna hide and cover myself and you know, pretend nothing's wrong here, nothing's dry, I'm not missing any water. If we hide under this umbrella, we're gonna miss the rain. We're gonna miss um, that truth that God wants to put in our lives. We, we have to uncover ourselves and allow God to see that temptation honestly in order for him to, to flood us with his, with his water, with his truth. Um, and so I think what's, what's important, first of all, is for us to sit down with God. Even this week, I did this with God, and it was, it was painful. I didn't really want to do it. I actually told God that. I'm like, I don't really want you to tell me what my temptations are right now. But unless we do, unless we open up to him, and as, as Leanne said earlier, that, that psalm, um, my, my, show me my hidden faults, even those things about my life that I'm not aware of that are dishonoring you. When we open our lives up to God, that's when he can change us. That's when he can strengthen us. And the second thing about the cactus that we're going to see is it's got, it's got these, these spikes on it. And in Galatians, which I would encourage you to read on your own, Galatians 6, 10 through 20, talks about how God gives us the armor of God. He's given us armor, the, the helmet of salvation and the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And these are the things with which we, we defeat the enemy, with which we um, can protect ourselves when we're in those seasons of doubt and those seasons of wrestling. In fact, God says he sanctifies us by his word, his, his truth. Um, and just that's the, and the next thing I would say is that just as the cactus, the cactus knows that there's going to be seasons that are really dry and then there's going to be seasons that are, that are ab abundant where there's a lot of rain. And what we have to learn to do as the cactus does is that when, when, we, when we hear God's voice, when we hear his truth in the sunshine, in the times and seasons that are good, we need to hold on to that truth, just like the cactus holds on to that water. And that's gonna sustain us then, even when we hit those low moments, when we hit those hard times, we, we hold on to what we know to be true. And finally, I would say that the cactus is actually a beautiful plant, you know, in the midst of the desert where you're not expecting to find 
maybe much life at all, the, the, the desert is a or the cactus is a powerful reminder that there's beauty, that there's, there's something um, creative about this, about this cactus. And I believe that's a reminder to us to remember the vision that God has put on your lives. And in fact, if we would look at this and say that sometimes um, our greatest uh, temptations might be an obstacle to our greatest gift, maybe let those temptations be an indicator of maybe what God is leading us towards. The things that are hard for us, say, God, why is this hard for me? And what is, what is the joy set before me? What is the path that you want me to run and endure and when we look at the vision, when we look at the beautiful thing that God is putting in our lives and what he wants us to do, I think it's, it helps us to stand firm. It helps us to trust in him. And finally, I would just remind you that, you, you know, we, we are not always going to be perfect. We are going to fail sometimes and, and there is grace. And we, we do not need to pretend or try or, or minimize when we fall. But God God wants to strengthen you and he is there and it is through him and it is through his power and his strength that we can, um, that can overcome these things. Um, God, thank you so much for who you are. I thank you for your faithfulness. God, I thank you that every time there's a lie, as the song said, you wanna tear it down. You're the God who chases us down with your truth. And God, I pray that we would have ears to hear your truth so much louder than the lies, God. Um, and I just ask that for everyone this week, um, that you'd give us a glimpse of what you want us to be and who you want us to become um, and how you want to shape us in the wilderness. Amen.